Yeah. And so uh, I think I've got what the Lord dealt with me that we needed to do this morning. And uh, it is going to be about faith, which is something I am so thankful that God dealt with us and uh, led us to, I think, the greatest faith teacher in the whole world. And we had the privilege of listening to him day and night and night and day and day and night for over 20 years. And uh, sometimes when we first started at Rama, um, I think it was 1980, and uh, when we first started, Brother Hagin was having six seminars a year, plus school every day, plus he was teaching. He didn't ha- we didn't have church services there, but he was teaching every Sunday night. And um, so we got a lot, a lot, a lot of teaching from Brother Hagin himself. Plus, we went on the road with him for year after year after year after year. So we had the privilege of hearing him teach on faith and some of the same subjects on faith. And if you've ever heard him, he teaches the same thing on faith over and over and over and over. But you know what? After hearing him from 1980 to uh, 2000, Every time I heard him, I got something different. Every time. Now, the people that would go, and they'd come, and they'd sit, and they'd say, we're done hearing him. He teaches the same thing. Don't you get sick of hearing him? He teaches the same thing every time. I think, you're an idiot. (laughs) I would. I would walk away, and I would think that. I would think, okay, if you're so smart... You walk out this door and you get in faith and you get what you're believing for that quick. If you've got it, Mr. Faith Man, Mrs. Faith Woman, you got faith? You come off of a deathbed where they say you have no chance of living and minister to millions of people and say he don't know what he's doing. That's stupid. Right? It's disrespectful to start with. And stupid. Or ignorant, as Brother Hagin would say. Ignorant. But in thinking about, you know, there's about ten gazillion. He didn't write Mark 11. But he stood on Mark 11. And he taught us a lot about Mark 11. But in thinking about the direction that the Lord would lead me to go this morning about faith... I'm not going to Mark 11. And there's about 60 million thousand different ways you could go in regards to faith. But what I think that I have enjoyed the most about pastoring, and it was, I remember this, not long after we had started the church, we went to their house, and uh, we were standing right there in their foyer. And he looked at me square in the eye. He said, don't you enjoy pastoring? And I said, Dad, I just love it. I said, I just love it. And he said, what do you enjoy the most? And I said, I enjoy something we didn't get to do on the road, and I know you know this, is I enjoy seeing people come from zero to here. I enjoy seeing people that didn't have anything get something. I enjoy seeing people that when they were broke, they can pay their bills. I enjoy seeing people that were sick get well. I enjoy seeing the word work in people's lives. I enjoy that. Because when you travel, like we did for so many years, all you saw was their faces. And you'd go in, boop, and go out. 
But here, we get to see it. And we get to see people's lives that when they come in the doors, maybe they don't have anything. I mean, nothing. They're maybe living in a little apartment and with uh, already furnished, pre-furnished, prefab furniture, like we did. You know, or a trailer that was that way. But God brings them up. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like, okay, I dream of genie, boom, and you've got it. You know, but if you stick with him, it starts happening. And little by little, you begin to see people's lives, and you begin to see them change. And you begin to see, you know, maybe their clothes change, and maybe their cars change, and maybe they get to eat instead of just McDonald's, which some people choose to eat at McDonald's every day. I don't know why they would choose to eat at McDonald's every day when they could choose something better than Right, Rob? They could eat at Payway or something, right? You know? But they choose to eat at McDonald's every day. And, um... Because they're not vegetarian. <laughs> and, um, oh, if we didn't pick on each other, we would be wiped out by now, I'm telling you guys, you know. But anyway, you know, you don't have to eat at McDonald's every day, you know. You, at least you can, you know, go to the grocery store. And you remember the times when you would go to the grocery store and you would have to stand there in the line and you'd have to, and you'd be almost in a cold sweat wondering if you had enough money to pay for it, you know. But, you know, you see people's lives where they come up and they grow. Well, that is enjoyable. It is the greatest gift, I think, that God has ever given us to be able to pastor. It is a joy of our heart. It's wonderful. And to be able to have two of these? It is a gift of God. It is a gift from God. You know, and it's not that we're doing something. It's the Word changing people's lives. It's what the Word does if you work it. But in thinking about teaching on faith, I thought, you know, not only do we get to see the good, we get to see the bad. And I'm going to tell you some things that maybe I shouldn't, but you know me, I always do. You get to see after 10 years, some people are still getting backpacks for their kids. You get to see after 10 years, some people still need you to buy their groceries. You get to see after 10 years, some people ain't any better off than they were 10 years ago. And that ain't right. Do you understand what I'm saying? That ain't right. Either we're missing it or they're missing it somewhere. And it bothers me. It bothers me. As a leader... When you hear about it, and and we see, don't kid yourself, we see everything. We see every list that goes through here. Keith, don't kid yourself, he sees everything. He sees every list that comes through of somebody needing something. He sees, now he don't know about all the problems because we don't tell him, because we don't want him to get up here and minister, you know, and and somebody say, "Uh uh-huh, Brother Moore's speaking directly to me. No, we don't tell him those things. You know, because we think, you know, it's better for him sometimes not to know so that if he is ministering something, that it's coming directly from the Lord. You know, if he's, we pick, we, if you see us laughing sometimes, this is why. Okay, so say he comes over here and stands in front of Rick and Cindy, you know, and he's, he's talking about um, them getting a new job and God blessing them or something like that. We say, uh-huh, God's doing something for him. But then he comes over here and he stands, he'll come right here and he'll come like this and he'll come stand in front of Rick and Dave. Y'all better straighten that up and y'all better not do this anymore. And we'll go, mm-hmm, see, he's talking to y'all. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Quit doing that, you know, and, or, you know, he comes over here and talks to and, and we'll pick on each other about that, you know, because we think, yeah, he's, he's nailing them, you know. 
Because we know the situation. He doesn't have a clue. But it bothers you when you see people's lives that are at the same place that they were 10 years ago. Because we know the word that's been going out. But the reason that that is, it's very simple. It's because they want to jump. You know, today in our society, it's stinky. I really think it's stinky. Because everybody gets picked for every team. Our kids don't know anything about, no, you didn't get picked. So they don't ever have to do anything to, uh, prom- you know, push their self or, or promote their self or, or uh, that's the wrong word, but, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, yeah, try to achieve anything, you know. They just kind of, they're going to give it to me anyway, so what's the point, you know. They try to jump from first grade to sixth grade in their faith levels and skip second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And so they never get to fifth grade and they never get to sixth grade. And then when you see them, they've lost everything. Because until you learn how to believe for something more than dried up carrots in your refrigerator... You're never going to pay your light bill. It's not going to happen. You can't buy a a $4 million, $6 million, $8 million church building if you can't buy an $8 bag of carrots or however much the carrots are. It's not going to happen. But that's what you have people trying to do. So this morning, what I wanted to talk to you about was faith from a different side. Why do we have so many people that don't understand faith? How many of you have heard about faith for over five years? How many of you have heard about it for over ten years? How many of you have heard about it for over twenty years? How many for over thirty years? Look at that. We should be further along than what we are. We should be raising the dead. We should be healing people. But we still can't pay our light bills. Why is that? Because faith is not a thing. Faith is a trust in a person. Faith is a who. It's a him. Faith is trust in God. Put up the scripture, guys. Y'all already know where I'm going. It's fun to do second service because you don't even have to tell them the scripture. They already got it back there. They're so good. Hebrews 11.6. There you go. Without faith, it is impossible to do what? Please God. Now, every person in here wants to do what? Oh, you wouldn't be here this morning. You just slept in. Right? I don't believe that people are here this morning just because they want something from God. I believe truly in people's heart they really do want to please God. I do. 
I believe that. So what happens? We must have faith in order to please him. So are we really, 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 none of us really, really pleasing him? Because how many faith, positive faith things have we accomplished lately? Have we had more faith failures than we've had faith victories? Well, I don't know about you, but I sure like pleasing my father. And I think we could please him a lot more. But there's a way of doing it. And it's by trusting him. And when I was thinking about this, I began to realize the reason that there has been so many faith failures is because there's been so much lack of trust. Today in our society, uh, I watched one of those dumb little shows uh, a year ago, and I thought about it when I was doing this, and I thought about it a week or so ago. It just kept coming up to me. I even brought it up to the guys. I said, you know, I remember the show, and one of them called out the name of it, where it said, you know, you have to have a license to go fishing. You have to have a license to drive a boat. You have to have a license to drive a car. You have to have a license to do this. You have to have a license to do that. But you don't have to have a license to be a parent. I mean, to catch a stupid fish, you have to go get a license. You have to have a license to kill a deer. To shoot Bambi, you have to have a license. Right? But now you can birth a child and bring it into this world and do absolutely nothing. Now that doesn't make sense. And there's a lot of people in the world that never knew how to be parents, and their parents never knew how to be parents, and their grandparents never knew how to be parents, and they've really royally screwed it up. And their kids trust no one, and they trust no one, and their parents trust no one, and they never set the example of God in their house, and so they don't know how to trust anyone. There's no trust whatsoever in their life because they never knew what trust was. So how do you trust God when you've never had an example of trust in your life? So how do you stand in faith and trust a God that you've never seen when you've had a father that you did see that you couldn't trust? It makes it very difficult. Or, I asked this in first service And I thought, well, maybe I better not have them raise their hands because their brothers or sisters in second service might be watching, so I won't do it. But I'll ask you, how many of you have brothers or sisters? Jesus is our brother. And we should be able to trust him. And we can trust him. But how many of you can wholeheartedly trust your brother or your sister with everything you've got? You'd give them the... If you had money that you didn't know how much it was there and you just had a pile of money and you put it in a safe you'd give your brother or sister the combination to the safe very very few why because you can't trust them there's a few people in my life I trust 
But it should be that we should be able to trust a lot of people in our lives. We should be able to trust people that when we walk up to them, we should be able to shake Ty's hand and say, I'll buy it, $1,000. And the word is good. It could be a year before you go get it. And your word be good. But we don't have that anymore. The biggest thing that I've had to deal with during this thing, this church building down there, is sit and read contracts half a day sometimes. Stacks of them, pages of them, for something that makes absolutely no sense. Did they send a release on that contract? Did they do this contract? Did this one do this contract? Did they get us a contract for that? Did this one do that? And it's not because we're wanting the contracts. They're requiring them. Because people don't pay anybody anymore. So they want us to sign a contract that we'll pay them when the work is done. Because nobody's word is any good anymore. So how do we get in faith for something and trust a God that we don't see and we don't really know? Because we haven't spent very much time with Him, really. And how do we trust Him for something that, that we really, really need when we don't really know what trust is? It becomes very difficult. When spouses rarely trust each other anymore. They're divorced in five years because they've had affairs or they've spent money on this that they shouldn't have or they've done this that they shouldn't have or they've done that that they shouldn't have or everything under the sun. There's no trust anymore. So can you see why the devil has played such a number with trust? Because if he can steal our trust from us and rip it out from our insides, then we have nothing to base trusting God on. It's like what I said first service. How do you tell a blind man what a tree is? Okay, think about it. You close your eyes and you think, okay, a tree is a brown, long thing. Well, what's long? Well, what's brown? Well, well, it's got leaves. Well, what's leaves? Uh, well, it's green. Well, what's green? Well, it's tall. Well, what's tall? How do you explain that to somebody that's never seen anything? Well, that's the way trust is. How do you get somebody to trust when they've lost all trust in anything? Or they've never really trusted anybody? It's very difficult. But if you would, put Numbers 23.19 on the screen. Uh, the NIV, please. Sorry. Read this with me, please. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and then act? Does he not promise and not fulfill? Now, it doesn't matter 
If every parent in here let you down, and it doesn't matter if every brother in here let you down, there is one that won't lie. And let me tell you what he said. James 1.17, you all know it. This is the King James. It says, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Living Bible says, whatever is good and perfect comes from God, the creator of all light. He shines forever without shadow or change. Now, how many of you were believing for something in here this morning or in faith for something? Probably most every person in here. Is it a good thing? So where does it come from? Can you count on him? Will he lie to you about it? So then why can't we have it? Because we have not trusted him. We've lost our confidence in the one who promised it. We have counted him as being like the person sitting next to us or the one in front of us or the one behind us. Because a person didn't keep their word to us. We've counted God as being like that person. And God's not that way. He's not going to let you down, and he's not going to change his mind. And he's not going to waver, and he's not going to have a shadow of turning. He's not going to sway. But there is something that we have to do. And it can be very, very, very tough, and it can be very, very hard if you try to do it by yourself. Ephesians 6. Verse 13, it says, Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. How many of you have felt like you had an evil day lately? Yeah. Or not just a day, a week. And not just a week, a month. And not just a month, a year. And you've got worn down. And you've gotten tired and maybe beaten up a little. And it's gotten wearisome. And you've thought, God let you down. And it didn't happen. Well, it's not true. There is something that we do have to do. Faith didn't say it was going to happen today. Or it was going to happen this afternoon. But it did say it was going to happen. There is something we have to do. Reading the next part. Having done all that you're supposed to do. Then what do you have to do? You do have to stand. Stand. Now I said at first service. There's been times in my life. Very few. But one especially I can remember. 
where it seemed like God wouldn't listen to me if I don't know what. You know, you just seem like you're just not getting through. And, of course, you know, um, you get upset and you do all the other things. And finally, I just thought, you know, I got my Bible. I don't know that I recommend that you do this. I do things that I don't recommend anybody does. But, you know, I do them. And they seem to work for me sometimes. But I got my Bible one day, and I remember it. And I got in this room, and I put my Bible on the floor, and I screamed at the devil for a while. And then I got on my Bible, and I stood on it. And I just got there, and I stood. And I said, God, either this works, or I quit. Now, I know what faith is. I believe God. I've stood. I believe God. I've trusted God. But you know what? Once you get the carrots, you ain't just going to believe for carrots again. You're going to have to believe for bananas. Or the roast to go with the carrots. Since Dave's not a vegetarian. But you're not going to stay where you are. And faith grows. So you will have to believe for something bigger. And if God expects a lot out of you, it may be bigger, 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 bigger. And he's not going to let you stay where you are. And maybe you had to believe for a tank of gas. This was pretty big. And I was tired of dealing with it. And I got on my Bible and I stood there. And I think I stood there for hours. But when I got done, it didn't take long. Things turned around. But I tell you what, the first little bit, it looked like the waves were coming. And the storm was going to hit even after I got off my Bible. But when I got off and the waves started hitting and the storms came, what was my job? To stand. To stand. But it can seem like, has it ever seemed like you've stood and all hell broke loose against you anyway? And that the ground underneath you was falling out from underneath you? And then when almost all the ground was gone, it started raining and washed the rest of it away? That's when you're really in faith. That's what faith is. That is faith. That's not when you quit. That is faith. And that's when you stand. And you don't listen to the thoughts that come against your head. You grab that person that's beside you's hand, which his name is Jesus. And you say, Jesus, you take this one. I'm going to go play. And you forget about it. Because you're standing. Because it says Jesus is daily making intercession for us and taking care of the things. Nothing you've been tempted with, he ain't dealt with. 
And you forget about it. And you let him take care of it. And you just stand. And you don't waver. And it doesn't matter what thought crosses your mind that it ain't happening. And it's been 15 years. And it's been 20 years. And things are worse than they've ever been. What's your job? You got one other job. You want to know what it is? Turn with me. Romans 15, 13. Now, when you stand, you got to do it with joy and peace. When you're standing in faith, you got to do it with joy. How many of you were here Friday night? We learned about a sign. And if you're grumbling, what does your sign tell us? You're selfish. So we know if you're grumbling, automatically we're going to hand you a selfish sign. We should make us some postcards or we should make us some signs and say, okay, they're grumbling. Selfish. Well, I decided another one yesterday. If you're sad and you're depressed, in our other hand, we're going to have some other signs. And we're going to say, unbelief. Because if you're in faith, the joy of the Lord is your strength and you're not going to stay in faith very long. If you don't have some joy. But what is it with us? Dave told me a story one time years ago about when he was a little boy and his tooth. And he liked the pain of waiting and trying to barely pull his tooth out. What is it with us in liking pain and being depressed and watching sad shows? Huh? And people feeling sorry for us. What is it with that? Huh? Say, that ain't me. If it was, it was five minutes ago, but it ain't me now. That's pitiful, guys. That's not who we are. So if somebody comes up to you and hands you an unbelief sign because you're depressed, you know what it is. It's not okay to be in unbelief. Unbelief is sin. For the Christian. We shouldn't dabble in it. If we're going to please God, we have to be in what? And we all want to do what? We all want to please God. So if we get out of our selfishness and we get out of our unbelief, we're going to be raising the dead. We're going to be healing people. We're going to be seeing people saved. We're going to be seeing people set free because we don't have anything to worry about for ourselves anymore. Everything's going to be done. And you'll find real quickly, if you really do truly stand and trust God and get in some joy, the answers just come. But what you got to watch? There's one thing you got to watch. Did you find that? No. Um, Kate thought of something, but um, I'll just tell you the story. When I was a little girl... I was in the Girl Scouts. How many of you were in the Girl Scouts? Boys, put your hands down. Girl Scouts. Yeah, 
Girl Scouts. We had these badges. I think boys had them too, but I know about Girl Scouts. We had these badges, and we had this Girl Scout book, and it had badges for what were some of them? Uh, I think we had a first aid and building a tent and cooking and sewing and I can't remember what all they were. But anyway, they, and some of them had two or three little things you had to do and some of them had a dozen things that were a little bit harder that you had to do. And, and uh, you'd do the things and then you'd have to have your troop leader, when they saw that you did it, she'd put a date on it and put her initials on it that you had done it, that you had accomplished it. Well, I think that's what people have done with faith. They've decided that faith is a list of things that you have to do. You have to find a scripture verse, then you have to make your confessions, then you have to do these things, and then when you do all these things, you go to God and you say, God, hand me my badge. Give me my house, give me my car, give me my healing, and when he doesn't do it, then they're mad at him. Because God doesn't work. It doesn't, this faith stuff doesn't work. God didn't in the Girl Scouts. He's a boy, probably. I don't know. He may be male, female, I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying. He didn't do it that way. Faith is of the heart. And it's a relationship with him. And years ago, Fred Price taught a series on faith, foolishness, and presumption. Well, we've been talking about faith. But now this would be foolishness. For you to get mad at God. Because you didn't get what you were supposedly believing for from Him. That's total foolishness. When what you should be doing is saying, God, where am I missing it? What do I need to do? I told the story first service that we were believing for a house in Tulsa. Well, Keith was really believing for it more than me, I think. But anyway, we were believing for a house because it was in the country. And um, Keith would always tell Mom Hagen, I'm going to get Phyllis some chickens and pigs because he knew I didn't want. I was a city child. And Mom Hagen would say, Keith, what's she going to do with chickens and pigs? And he'd say, feed them, Mom. You know, and so they'd go back and forth and back and forth over it. And so finally, um, we were driving along one day and we saw this house. And it was just exactly what I, I... liked and um, we drove past it and it was a foreclosure and we got it and we wound up when we left and came here we ended up selling it and making double what we bought it for which was just God but what the clincher was was it was like a half a mile a mile two mile I don't remember what it was it was just right there close to the Hagen's house and it was just like five or ten minutes from the airport where Keith was going to have to learn how to fly well, the other one would have been an hour from the Hagen's house and an hour and a half from the airport from where Keith needed to fly. Well, now, who's smarter, God, are you? You think he knew that ahead of time? Well, I think he did. And the thing about it was, we could have gotten mad at God because he wouldn't give us that house and blamed him. Or we could have been wise enough to say, you know what? Uh, duh. We could have missed it, duh. We don't know everything. But pride makes people say, God didn't give it to me. I've been believing Him for 10 years and He ain't give it to me. 
instead of looking at it and say, God, where am I missing it? I've seen it. It has been so frustrating. You could sit somebody up here, and you could sit them right here, and everybody in the whole church could say, this is where you're missing it. Everybody in the whole church could say, this is where you're missing it. And you could tell them, and they'd say, no, mm -mm, that's not where we're missing it. We heard from God. No. And everybody in the whole church would know. Duh, it's as plain as the nose on your face. That's where you're messing up. But because of pride, they won't listen to anybody. Hey, God gives you people around you that love you for a reason. I mean, Mom was doing it in a joking way. But she kept saying, Keith, you don't need that house way out there in the country. You don't need that way away from there. You don't need that. You need to be up here in town where you can get to things and, and not waste half your day doing that. Thank God we weren't too stubborn to listen. But there are people that, that won't. And they try to say, God told me this. I know he told me this. Did he? That could, might, possibly, maybe, uh, hopefully not, but maybe, be the reason why you ain't got it. You might want to double check up on what you're believing for. It could be presumption that you know everything. Because we don't know everything. I know Brother Hagen was in the ministry a day or two. And he ministered a lot of services. I never once saw him get up in a service and get out of, give out a word of knowledge. Never once. And I was with him in a few services. But he didn't get up there and say, you know what? A man could miss it. But this is what it seems like to me. Now, I think the man could hear from God. Every time he gave out a word of knowledge, he said that. Anybody ever heard him say it? Every time he said it. Now, if a man that could hear from God as well as I think he could hear from God would say that every single time, what about you and me? I think we should at least be open to the fact that maybe we might want to reconsider that we could be missing it what we're believing for. God wants us to have everything. He wants us to have the desires of our hearts. As long as they are in line with what he's called us to do. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. I don't recall... I'll be honest with you. I don't recall having to believe God for a house, a car, any of those things. I don't. I know you think that's weird, but I do not recall believing God for those things. I recall for the last forever many years as I can remember doing everything I can do to keep up with what God's called us to do. Meeting myself coming back 
trying to put out fires with, okay, we got to do this, then we got to do this, and then we got to go here, and then we got to go there, and then he's here, and then I'm there, and then we're here, and then we're there. And all in the while, this house that I'm living in now. I know we, we needed a house when we got here. We were living in a little rental house that, that for, what, a year and a half, Karen, we lived in that little rental house, that you had to go in the garage to turn on the hot water because it was a leak, and, you know, we just did what we had to do. And the person that we bought the house from here kept calling me, asking me, did not want his house. I said, it's a nice house, but it's way more money than I want to spend on the house. i got to build a church. And he said, so a couple of months go by. He says, he calls me back. Don't you want my house? I said, yeah, it's a nice house, but I don't want to spend that much money on a house. I've got to build a church. You hear me? Church. He says, yeah, but you do like my house. And I said, what's not to like? <laughs> it's a nice house. So he calls me back in a few months. He said, uh, you bought a house yet? I said, nope. He said, you still like my house? I said, what's not to like? He comes down another, I'm talking about coming down hundreds of thousands each time. Not $10. He did that for over a year. Wasn't it over a year, Karen? I mean, it was a long time. By the time he sold it to me, I got it for half the price. I think everything I buy is for like half the price. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So... Well, the same thing happened where we are now. I mean, it just happens. People start looking me down. I'm telling you, they look me down to sell me their stuff. Did it happen? Did it happen? And then they sell it to me for half price. And they don't even know why. It's because you seek ye first. I'm too busy using my faith on, okay, how did you save their marriage, God? Okay, God, how do you, how can we help them pay their electric bill? Okay, God, how do we do this for them? Okay, God, how do we get the money to get this church up and going? Okay, God, how do we do? I don't have enough. It's like Brother Hagin said, Mom said she needed drapes for the house. And he said, Oh, Rita, I don't have enough faith to put drapes on my faith. You're going to have to believe for them drapes yourself. I don't have enough faith sometimes to believe for my need to be well or believe for my uh, house because I'm too busy believing for everybody in this room. Same with him. Same with him. We ain't got time for it. And when you get busy doing that, God's going to take care of you. You get busy taking care of his, he's going to take care of you. That's what happens when you, tr that's called trusting him. That's called faith in him. I ain't got faith in me to believe for a house. I ain't. But I trust him enough to know that if I'm doing what he told me to do, I ain't got to worry about a house or a car. Because he knows I need a house and a car to do what he told me to do. I've given away houses and cars and motorcycles. I've given them away. They don't mean anything to me. I mean, I've started serving God. I, I, he gave me this ring. 
He'll give you whatever you believe. Just serve him. But trust him. Love him and do what he tells you to do. And then all these other things just kind of fall on top of it. People will call you and say, you know what, I really need to get rid of my house. They're foreclosing on me. And, you know, I'd rather not foreclose on it. But if you'll just buy it for what we owe on it and take up the payments, that doesn't happen, Mrs. Moore. Well, it did just now to me. And it'll happen to you. You got to trust him that you're doing what he told you to do. Now it would be like I'm an I'm a boss, okay? Over uh, one or two employees. Okay, now what if what if? Okay, this will never happen, never has happened. Karen's been working for us what, 18 years, 19 years now? Something like that. What if Karen says, "You know what? I'm going to the lake this week, and, you know, I'm going to play, and I'm going to go shopping, and I'm going to do this. And then she comes in, and it's payday, and she says, where's my check? Which Karen would never do. She would take your check away if you did that. I have to watch her sometime. But anyway. (laughs) But she said, where's my check? And then she got mad at me because I didn't give her a check for not calling, not showing up for work, not doing anything, just wanting to get paid. But she got irate at me and hated me and started talking bad about me because I didn't pay her. But she wasn't doing anything that she was supposed to do. Would that be right? Would it be me holding out her money? Would I be trying to hold something away from her? Or keep her from getting it? When I'd be saying, Karen, i got a good job for you here. You only have to work four days a week. Get, around, get to be around some of the sweetest people in the whole wide world. See how sweet I am? <laughs> get to find you a man and get married? Get you a new house. The blessings of God will come on you. But what if she chose to do the other? Would that be me standing in her way? And holding back her blessings? Absolutely not. It would be her refusing to do what it took to get the blessings. Now, people are mad at God today and really upset with Him because faith doesn't work. I tried it. But they've been unwilling to do what it takes to get what God wants them to have. And He's more upset about it than they are. Because I know I've got employees. And I'm thinking, God, please don't do that. And I just lay in my bed and I just cry and I think, oh, God, please don't let them do that. They're going the wrong way and you just cry and you just cry and you think, God, 
help them to see the truth. And you're thinking, not. They can't do that. And you don't want them to mess up. And your heart cries out that they're not going to screw up and they're not going to mess up. And, and they're just now getting back on track and they're going. And, and there's nothing you can do. Absol- your hands are absolutely tied. But there goes their blessings. And there goes their money. And there goes their answers. And there's nothing you can do. And then they're going to wonder why their faith is not working. When it's tied to doing what God told them to do. He set their blessing right here. And if they just kept walking this way, they'd run smack dab into it. But they turned and went this way. And they never even saw it. We've got to do what God's telling us to do. We've got to do it for the reasons that He's telling us to do it. And He's going to open His heart out and He's screaming to be able to open His heart out and give it to us. But we've been so selfish and so depressed and so down and not even giving Him a chance to do what He wants to do for us. When if we just give Him an inch, He'd just flood us, open the floodgates. And bless us. But the devil is working night and day at getting us to do just the opposite of what God's wanting us to do. Stay home. Don't do this. It's You're tired. How many of you have ever exercised in your life? Okay. How many of you wanted to exercise before you did it? Okay. But, okay, I'm serious. Now, after you exercised, didn't you feel better? You felt better after you exercised, except for Dave. I can't even look at him because he always says no. (laughs) But really, you did. You felt like you had more energy after you did an hour of exercise than you did before you did the hour of exercise. And it's the devil that deceives you that way in your whole life. He makes you feel like you can't do it. He makes you feel like it's impossible, that you're tired, that you're run down, that you can't do anything, that it's, it's a burden, that it's not your capabilities, that you don't have the skills, that you don't... But if you'll ever just get up and do it, then you feel better after you do it. And he knows it just takes just a little bit of trusting him to take those steps to do it. Then he opens floodgates and he gets our faith going in the right direction because we're able to trust him. If you take one little tiny baby step, there's Jesus holding your hand, lifting you up, turning you in the right direction. But he can't do it if you don't trust him. So we got to get our trust back in the one who we can trust, who we can believe in instead of the person that let us down. Instead of the person that turned their back on us. Don't base everything in your life on somebody that hurt you. Forget about that. Today is a new day. Maybe they hurt you so bad that you think about it 24 hours a day. That's the devil's tactic. It's the devil's ploy. 
I don't care if it's your wife, if, if it's your mother, if it's your daddy, if it's your brother, if it's your cousin, if it's your aunt, if it's your uncle. Stop it! <coughs> it's only hurting you. It ain't hurting them. Go on from here. Do what God's called you to do. Take back what the devil's trying to steal from you. We should be ministering to people on a higher level than what we are. We should be having, every person in here should have a word of knowledge for every person that they work with and not some flaky Jake weirdo. God. Run people off from church. I'm talking about, you know that they don't have guys money to get home like Dan did possibly with that guy the other night. So you go hand him $50 and you say nothing about the word of knowledge. Or did you find out their kid's sick and you just take them some soup and some food? Now, they don't know why you did it, but you had a word of knowledge to know, you know what, I think they need, could use some extra groceries this week. You don't have to tell them anything about a word of knowledge. They ain't even going to know what that is. <laughs> just take them some food. Instead of you buying groceries for you this week, go buy them groceries. You can eat peanut butter and crackers for a week. I've done it. It's when we quit thinking about ourselves and we trust God to take care of us and we start taking care of other people that things start happening in our lives. But we've become so selfish in thinking about ourselves that we've forgotten what trust is. We need to trust the one that put trust in us to start with. Trust God. He's not going to change. He's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us. He's, if He'll provide for the birds, He'll provide for us. Amen. He said that. He said that. He's not going to let us down. Never. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But if you keep me on the brain all the time, you're going to get me messed up. Because when you start thinking selfishly, you get off track. You really, really do. When you, I, I have done it. And when you start thinking about me, you get warped. And you want things that you shouldn't want. And you think you're hearing things from God when they're really not even from God. They're your flesh. And you need to stop... And realize, you know what, that's just really me. And ask the people around you. Be brave enough to sit, at, sit in that chair in front of everybody and say, Duh, is this this blonde hair or is this God? Hey, I am not so dumb as I'll have Dave and Tom and Amy and Karen. I say, what do y'all think? Tell, don't, I don't like yes men. I like yes men. I don't like yes men. I want them to tell me. They're the ones doing their, de- their departments. I want to know what's going on in their departments. I want them to get the answer from God. And then if I don't like it, I say no. <laughs> if I hear different from God. But I want them to tell me. And that's the way you should be. You shouldn't be afraid to get somebody else's opinion. <clears throat> Trust God. Hear from him. 
Let him bless you. But be good enough to know if you've been standing in faith for something for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, and you haven't gotten the answer yet, hey, it's time to talk to somebody and say, hey, what? You know what? Maybe this ain't God. Maybe this ain't right. Maybe it ain't God. Don't be so presumptuous to assume you couldn't make a mistake. And don't be so foolish to think God has let you down. Let's be faith people, real faith people. Let's start where we can start and wind up where we're supposed to wind up. Instead of trying to start in first grade and wind up in 12th grade in 12 days. Because we want all the Girl Scout badges. So that we can prove it to people that we are faith people. Faith is not given to us to impress other people. And if that's what we're trying to do with it, we're going to fail every time. Faith is given so that we can use it as a tool We learn to get our faith so that we can use it to be able to help other people. And until we get it in the right vein to be able to help other people, instead of just bless ourselves, it's going to be useless to us. So are you ready to channel it in the right direction? Are you ready to trust God? Are you ready to be vessels that you can be trusted so that people will learn who God is, then stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. There's one thing that you have to do in order to stand. And we said it. Do you remember what it was? You have to keep your joy. I said it first service. The first thing that the devil will do in order to steal your faith is what? Steal your joy. He will try his best to get you depressed. He will try his best to get you down. But you cannot give in to him. So, you know, I'm serious. I may have to get somebody to make some signs about unbelief and joy. We're not going to be that way around here. We're going to kick the devil in the face around here. He's not going to get any more victories around here. And the people that's been getting backpacks for 110 years and getting groceries and getting this, they're going to come up. They're going to start getting their answers. Because they're going to keep their joy. And they're going to keep their peace. And they're going to quit needing people to feel sorry for them. Quit needing to be seen. And start giving to other people. Right? And that's going to be us. Glory to God. Go ahead.